<laughs> I was on mute. Oh, there we go. So I just want to take this moment to announce that Wilson and I are not pregnant. But I thought that was funny and cute. And I'm a twin, so it's kind of relevant. I don't know. But um, something else that I noticed when we were praying earlier before the service is last year on January 2nd, I was standing right here because I was getting married. And so today is our anniversary. And so I have an obligatory, cute little gushy picture of us from um, our wedding. So yes, today's our first anniversary, so I'm excited. And that's also why I look so hot because we're going out tonight. Um, Otherwise, we're just wearing my vans. But... um, I'm so excited that you guys are here, and um, when I was like, really, it's a privilege to be up here on my anniversary, and of course, I was like, when I was preparing, I wanted to talk a little bit about our marriage, because I'm so excited, because it's our first anniversary, but um, I started to like realize that there was this insecurity that was coming up when I was thinking about that, and I realized that it's a really prevalent lie, I think, especially like in our generation, especially because we're so big on discipleship and like growing towards Jesus together, I think a lie that I want to call out right now is that there are certain things in our lives that are not spiritual and certain things in our lives that is not worth discussion because it's not like spiritual and about Jesus and religious. But I just want to say that when your life is centered on God, everything in your life is spiritual and everything is worth discussing with your brothers and sisters because he's always teaching you and he's with you in every area of your life. So yeah, you can talk about your boyfriend's stuff. It's okay. We won't judge you. But um, so yeah, I am going to tell you guys a little bit about what I learned this year being married, um, or things that I'm starting to learn. I don't want to claim that I've learned them, but um, just for all you engaged couples out there and, you know, people that are dating. um, So number one, the things that I am starting to learn from being married, um, number one is intimacy must be defended to be cultivated. So part of cultivating intimacy with somebody is defending the intimacy that you have with them. And I have these, those circles like last time, last month, Amanda was preaching and she used um, the illustration from Danny Silk about boundaries and he has a diagram of some circles. I just Googled concentric circles, so here we go. But um, so pretty much the idea is you have um, boundaries in your life when it comes to relationships. The outermost ring is people that are furthest from you. The inner circle is you and Jesus and then your spouse and then your close friends. And... Um, And so the thing that I've been learning is, well, number one is God in the middle. And then to have intimacy with even Jesus, you really have to defend that intimacy. And you guys know, as we're trying to um, develop a lifestyle of spending intentional time with Jesus every day, things compete for that time. And um, things compete for your attention. And sometimes if you have something going on in your heart, you want to tell somebody else first. But to defend that intimacy with Jesus, you tell him first. Um, And so that's something that I'm learning in marriage, too. So intimacy must be defended to be cultivated. Number two, something else that I'm starting to learn is to be thankful for where you are in life. How many of you guys want to get married that's not married? Yeah. Um, So I will just tell you that even when you're married, there's other things that is easy to be tempted to look at and miss where you are in life. It's like right now, it would be so easy for me and Will to be distracted about wanting kids, 
right now. And when we have kids, it would be easy to be tempted to look at something else. And so there's always this thing of temptation that I think the enemy wants us to be distracted um, from where we are with God in the present. And God is working through a process in all of our lives. And so I think part of being spirit-led people is to be able to live in the tension of being able to be excited for the future and appreciate people who are in different stages of life, but also be really present in the moment where you are and um, pay attention to what God is teaching you now. So that's number two. Number three is a big one. This is a big surprise for me, something that I've been starting to learn, is that sometimes dealing with your past is a process. And I grew up in church, and like when I went through my big like come to Jesus again moment, I went through a big process of breaking soul ties and giving away like all the things from my ex-boyfriend and going through all these healing rooms and getting healing prayer for my soul and stuff like that. So I thought it was great. But even this year, there have been more things that I have to walk out from those healing processes from my past. And it was almost discouraging to me a little bit because I'd be like, well, I thought I was healed of this. Like I thought like the soul tie has been broken. Like what's going on? And I just realized that it's a process that you have to walk out and you really have to just, you know, um, Psalm 23, even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, if you're in the shadow of the valley of death, you keep walking, you know? And so it's a process and um, to not get discouraged. And the Lord has grace for that. And Will has been very graceful to me. Um, So last one, number four, and this is kind of the segue into what I'm going to talk about tonight is that um, I've realized that the marriage experience is really just the community experience on steroids. Like, it's literally, like, everything that we, the road officials are like, yes, oh my gosh, they're cracking up over there. But seriously, like, everything, like, you know how sometimes we rub each other a little wrong, we have to have conversations that are hard, we have to, we have amazing moments where we worship together and we see God doing amazing things. That is what marriage is on steroids, and it's concentrated into a one-person interaction 24-7. So, um, take that for what it's worth. If you're excited for marriage, you should be excited for community, and if you want to prep for marriage, I think stewarding your life and your relationships and community is a good place to start. So, um, (laughs) yeah, so, and you guys know house group is really blessed with community, like seriously. We are, I have never been like in a place in my life where I've seen and been around so many people who are on fire for Jesus, who really mean it, who stick around for three years. House group has been going on for three years, by the way, by now, so that's awesome. Um, And are just totally willing to do what God wants them to do. So, yeah, and I just think, so that's what I'm talking about tonight, is community. And um, because God has really blessed us with community, how we're supposed to handle that. Because I feel like, you know, Jesus, a big principle that Jesus teaches us is that when you have a gift, there's some way to steward it. And so I think we're responsible to steward our community well. Um, And a way that um, I've seen, like, community play out in just my story in high school is that lack of community is so destructive, like, so destructive. And I noticed this um, my junior year in high school. So I have this tattoo here. This is my first tattoo. And... um, When I was in high school, I had a friend named Amanda Elliott, 
And um, so this tattoo is a memorial of her, and she took her life when we were in high school. She was a senior. Um, and she gave me a bracelet that looked like this, so I got it tattooed. And so on one side of the heart of the bracelet said, ride or die, because we were like, call each other that, because we thought we were cool. And um, we were friends. And then on the other side, it said Amanda and Jennifer. And um, she gave it to me for Christmas one year. I think I was a sophomore, a junior. Um, but the thing about Amanda was she um, didn't have like a lot of friends. She was just this like, you know, quiet, scary looking white girl from Kentucky who had like this Kentucky accent. And, um, but we sat next together in math, math class. And so we became friends and I started to realize like she's really cool and we started to hang out. We had multiple classes together. Um, and so that's how we became friends. And I was really involved in high school. So I was always at the football games. I was like the flag girl or whatever. And um, I played soccer and a bunch of different things. So I would like invite her to come see me at my soccer games or come to the football games so we can hang out. And her response would always be, you know, I'm not allowed. Like, I shouldn't really leave my house. Um, my aunt, she lived with her aunt and uncle. My aunt won't let me go um, for whatever reason. Um, social gatherings and stuff were kind of off limits. And she had a really tough background, but... Um, so that was part of like our friendship as it progressed was there was kind of like a boundary of where we could like get close. And she would come over to my house and have dinner with my family and um, things like that. But so we were friends for like a year in that weird stage. And then one year or one day at lunch, we sat together during lunch and she came to me and said, hey, my boyfriend um, told me that it's weird that we hang out a lot. And so I don't think we should hang out as much because he wants to spend more time with me. And so, of course, I was kind of offended at that, and we kind of ended up fizzling out um, friendship-wise, and it became kind of awkward, because I was like, well, why are you, you know, siding with your boyfriend over your friends and all this stuff? And of course, she, both of us were so young, we didn't really know what was going on, but um, about a year later of ignoring her and not really hanging out anymore, um, the whole high school was at a football game on a Friday night, and she took her life. And I mean, who knows what was going on, but the thing that I feel like I really learned, well, I started to learn that community is really important because I definitely saw isolation in her life. Um, but two is like, we, would, we don't know what was going on with her because we weren't allowed in. And um, so that's what I want to talk about tonight is just community. And on the flip side of that, we have seen amazing life change in house group, in our community. We've seen salvations and tons of baptisms, people receiving their prayer language, people understanding who God is, and amazing things. So community is just a big deal in life, and I feel like I don't want us to take it for granted. And um, so we're going to talk about that a little tonight. So let's pray. So, Father, I just thank you so much for what you're doing in Cincinnati and for letting us be a part of what you're doing. And, God, I just, um, we just invite your spirit here tonight, Father. Holy Spirit, would you just come and, um, yeah, would you share with us what you want to teach us tonight and just bless everyone here tonight. In Jesus' name, amen. Cool. So, Community is a gift from God. How many of you guys know James 1.17? Every good and perfect gift comes from above, coming down from the Father of lights, from whom there's no shifting shadow. Um, so I really think, like, none of us asked to find— well, actually, 
a lot of us ask the Lord for good Christian friends, right? How many of you guys were one of those people that like prayed for a young adults community that you could know? Look around, like seriously, we didn't know each other. And it was totally God answering our prayers and bringing us together from all parts of Cincinnati. So I just think that's cool. And we get to see cool things. Um, And so like I said, part of having an amazing gift and big... um, gifts from God is figuring out what the purpose is in the kingdom and using it for that, um, or kind of like what our responsibility is now that we hold this thing. So let's look at Luke 12, 42 through 48. All right, so Luke 12. A faithful, sensible servant is one to whom the master can give the responsibility of managing his other household servants and feeding them. If the master returns and finds that the servant has done a good job, there will be a reward. I tell you the truth, the master will put that servant in charge of all he owns. But what if the servant thinks, my master won't be back for a while, and he begins beating the other servants, partying, and getting drunk? The master will return unannounced and unexpected, and he will cut the servant in pieces and banish him with the unfaithful. Yikes. All right, 47. And a servant who knows what the master wants but isn't prepared and doesn't carry out those instructions will be severely punished. But someone who does not know and then does something wrong will be punished only lightly. Um, When someone has been given much, much will be required in return. And when someone has been entrusted with much, even more will be required. Let's read that again. When someone has been given much, much will be required in return. And when someone has been entrusted with much, even more will be required. Got my little notes up here. All right, so I want to just quickly talk about um, ways that we can steward community. And these are just some things that came to me. Um, How many of you guys are memorizing the TMS? How many of you guys have Hebrews 10, 24, and 25 memorized? Okay, we're going to say that. Okay, wait, think about how it goes. It's hard to remember from up front, things they have memorized, but let us consider. Okay, you guys want to say it with me? Hebrews 10, 24, and 25. But let us consider how to stimulate one another to love and good deeds, not forsaking our own assembling together, as is the habit of some, but encouraging one another, and all the more as you see the day drawing near. Cool. Yeah. So for those of you who don't know, everyone who leads a Bible study in house group is required to start memorizing the topical memory system, and that's one of the verses. And so I would encourage anyone, even if you don't lead Bible studies, start memorizing that, because it's cool. But number one that I think is a way to steward the community that we've been given is to encourage each other. And that verse um, says it. So um, I'll just read it again. The NLT version, I was saying that NASB. So... Starting in 23, let us hold tightly without wavering to the hope we affirm, for God can be trusted to keep his promise. Let us think of ways to motivate one another to acts of love and good works, and let us not neglect our meeting together, as some people do, but encourage one another, especially now that the day of his return is drawing near. So, um... The context of this verse is he just explained kind of like the inheritance as believers, what we have. And then he says, so let's encourage one another. And so I think it's just easy to lose sight of 
who we are, our identity, and what we have from the Lord if we're not surrounded by community. Um, and st- stimulating each other to doing Jesus-like things. Like a good example is Lonnie. Is Lonnie here? Lonnie! He did that awesome outreach on Christmas. That was so awesome. Give Lonnie a round of applause. So that was an example I thought of um, when I was thinking about this. Um, So that's number one, encourage each other. Number two, commit. And I think that personally, this is a big problem with the American church right now, is committing to a body um, or part of the body that's around you. Let's look at Acts 2, 42. There we go. Okay. Acts 2, 42 through 47. All the believers devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship and to sharing meals, including the Lord's Supper, and to prayer. And this made me think of our um, Facebook page, how there's literally always prayer requests on that thing. And they're all, we're always praying for them, so that's awesome. Um, 43. A deep sense of awe came over them all, and the apostles performed many miraculous signs and wonders. And all the believers met together in one place and shared everything they had. They sold their property and possessions and shared the money with those in need. They worshiped together at the temple each day, met in homes for the Lord's Supper, and shared their meals with great joy and generosity. All the while praising God and enjoying the goodwill of all the people. And each day, the Lord added to their fellowship those who were being saved. And then, um, if we look ahead, a couple verses later, Sanjay, I didn't give you this, sorry. But then it says, yet more and more people believed and were brought to the Lord, crowds of both men and women. So there's just something that's like a key in the kingdom of being a committed, unified body who's going after Jesus that it's like... um, a testimony itself, you know, they will love, they will know that you are my people by the way you love one another. And um, so you see here in the book of Acts that even from their committed, from this community's, the early church, their um, unity and just the way that they loved each other and sacrificed, sacrificed for each other and shared their lives, that brought people to Jesus. And honestly, we've had people say that about us too. You guys remember Jerry who came from Africa? One of the things that he was the most impressed with was our unity, is what he said, right? Yeah. And um, so I think this is something that we do really well. And um, yeah, so I think we are really good at committing and loving each other. And I can even think of times um, in house group where somebody has said, you know, off their hand, I lost my car or whatever. Something happened and I'm just in the hole with money and can you guys pray for me? And by the end of the night, somebody gave them hundreds of dollars and just needs being met like that. I think we're just awesome at that. And that's really cool. That's, I think that's definitely the way that Jesus wants us to look. So that's awesome. So number one, encourage. Number two, commit. And number three, this is a big one, pull others in. Um, so this is really hard. Um, and this is something that I've definitely learned this year. Will is really good at this, um, and I learned it from him. But I think when we go through hard times, and especially in a tight-knit community like us, the hard thing can be something bad is going on in my life, and oh no, people are going to see it, 
because I'm around other people. But I think the thing that will either make or break those circumstances is how you react to it. Either one, drawing back in isolation because you're ashamed and you think that nobody will know what's, what to do or that it'll just be too negative, or pulling people in to the situation with you. Let's look at Galatians 6, 1. 1 through 3. Um, sorry, I didn't mark these very well. Here we go. Galatians 6. Wait, this is Acts. <laughs> I would have started reading. Here we go. All right. Galatians 6, 1 through 3. Um, Dear brothers and sisters, if another believer is overcome by some sin, you who are godly should gently and humbly help that person back onto the right path. And be careful not to fall into the same temptation yourselves. Share each other's burdens, and in this way, obey the law of Christ. I think this verse is so interesting. Verse 2, because he says, Share each other's burdens, and in this way, obey the law of Christ. Oh, that's just really cool. And then 3 is kind of funny. If you think you are too important to help someone, you're only fooling yourself. You are not that important. So... (laughs) Um, I think this is definitely a point of growth for us. We're really good at encouraging each other. We're easy, or we're good at even just prophesying to each other on the spot. And when we see each other, texting each other prophetic words. I know that I've gotten timely words from some of you guys before. Um, We're good at committing to each other. But definitely this is, I think, our point of growth is pulling each other in to scary things with us. and I'll put a little disclaimer on this. Like, we need to be wise um, with boundaries about who we're pulling in. You know, I don't think it's healthy to pull all of house group in, like, for me to stand up and say, like, everyone, this is happening. But um, for me, it's Will, Amanda, and Luke. And they know, like, literally everything. And Will has been the model for that in my life. But I think... Um, yeah, we're just... It's easy to draw back in isolation. And like I said... Leaving community is a big sign of destruction, and it's a big warning sign for me. I know when I see people going through hard things and they stop showing up, that is really scary to me, and it makes me want to reach out to them. Um, So a couple of things about pulling each other in. Um, I said be wise, so maybe think of the people that are closest to you, um, the people who have the same values as you, who love Jesus, listen to him, um, and are committed to seeing you grow closer to him. Um, and don't beat around the bush when you're bringing people in. I know it's easy for, um, to talk about something that's hard in really vague terms, but I have seen, like even with people in this room, times where something's going on and they're being really vague about it, as soon as they go into the nitty-gritty of the details, shame breaks off like that. And you can pray for them and bless them and encourage them, but that's not going to happen if you're being really vague. Does that make sense? So um, be wise about boundaries and don't beat around the bush. Um, so this, this goes into confession, whether it's a sin issue that you're struggling with, something that's really holding you down, or even just a hard circumstance, you know? Um, Yeah, pull each other in. And my fourth point, accept feedback. And we love the word feedback in house group. Um, But really what I mean by feedback is just anything about yourself that you you maybe not see. Um, You know, we have... 
we don't have a 360 degree view of ourselves. Even if we look in the mirror and try to reflect um, on how we're doing, we don't see everything. And I think that's part of the role of community in our lives is telling us what we can't see and where our blind spots are, helping us figure those spots out. Um, and my favorite book of the Bible is Proverbs. So let's look at Proverbs 11. Too. And man, this is all over Proverbs. Like the biggest theme that I see, at least in Proverbs, is accepting rebuke and correction will make you wise. And um, so if you're looking for wisdom, be willing to let other people in and tell you hard things and accept them. So here's one thing um, Proverbs 11 2. Pride leads to disgrace, but with humility comes wisdom. Proverbs 12 1. And I could seriously go on all day from Proverbs. Um, Proverbs 12.1, to learn, you must love discipline. It is stupid to hate correction. 15 says, fools think their own way is right, but the wise listen to others. And even on the same page, people who despise advice are asking for trouble. Those who respect a command will succeed. Verse 18, if you ignore criticism, you will end in poverty and disgrace. If you accept correction, you will be honored. So accepting feedback really requires a lot of humility, as we probably know, because we love giving each other feedback. But um, yeah, it's just so crucial, I think, especially in, um, in community when there's things in our lives um, to not pull back and to let people see them and to let them give us feedback on it. So I'm going to invite the worship team up in a little bit, but... Um, before that, sorry, I probably went fast. I didn't really run through this, but it's okay. Um, I just wanted to bring up real quick, if you, if while I was talking, um, maybe you felt a little convicted to confess something or to let people in, because I know it's, it's really easy, and I have been there, um, to hold something to yourself for shame, but I really think tonight there's a grace for that to break open and um, to let people in. So... If that's you, I want, we want to invite you down at the front later to pray for you after worship. Um, and also, if you're not part of this kingdom family, I was talking about community tonight. If you're not actually in that and you feel like you're just, you don't have a sense of community in your life or you've never even asked Jesus to come into your life, um, you're part of the kingdom family once you ask him into your life. And so I would love for anybody who's never made that decision to come down at the end of worship and pray for somebody up here, and they would love to lead you through that prayer. It's simply asking, and it will literally change your life for the better. So let's pray real quick, and then we'll worship. So Father, I just thank you so much. We're just so thankful for these amazing friends that you've given us. And... Um, yeah, God, you just know our needs as humans, and you meet those needs, and we're so thankful for that. I just bless all my friends in here, and Father, I just ask for a special grace for us to grow in pulling each other into hard spots in our lives, um, and first and foremost, you, Father, that we wouldn't um, pull back in isolation, and we wouldn't let shame win. And Father, that you would be glorified in our community by the way that we love each other and live. In Jesus' name, amen. <clears throat>